0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Let's make our way to the sanctuary, please. Welcome to Sunday night service at High Desert Word Center. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hello, Raymond. Sunday night number two. Hi, Nick. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Bless you, Back Row. Good to see you all. Thank you, Father. Well, let's open up with prayer tonight. How's that? Father, we come before you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you, Father, for Sunday night service. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word that's going to come forth. We thank you, Lord, for the worship. Father, we just want to give you all the praise and all the glory that we're here to receive from you. We're also here to give back to you, Father God, in the form of worship and the love one for another that we have here. So, Father, we just give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I remember, ladies, what happens Friday night? Women's meeting. What time? 6.30 where? What are you supposed to bring? Casserole, salad, or dessert? Okay, so make sure that you're there. And also, who's our guest speaker? Liz Nile. Okay, thank you very much, Alex. See, he listens. Good boy. Thank you. Okay, but I'm going to talk about the May Mother-Daughter Luncheon. Okay, so this year it's Mother-Daughter. Next year it will be Mother-Son. It's going to be on a Saturday, the first Saturday of the month, because that happens to be the weekend of Mother's Day, okay? So our theme is Singing in the Rain. It's going to be a super fun thing. So there's going to be a, a prize for an adult with the best rain gear thing on, and a teen and a child. So, you know, this is your chance to be creative and do your rain gear thing. So okay, so like I'm looking at you, so You don't have to. You don't have a daughter around here. Maybe your niece will come, or you know, ask somebody. If somebody else doesn't have anybody, you know, just come because I'd hate to have you to uh, hate to have you miss this. But anyway, um, I'm gonna pass out a sign-up sheet for this. Um, we're uh, bring your money in for this as soon as you can. You will be paying at the info booth because I need to buy stuff for this thing, right? So it will be nice and special, right? Oh, thank you. You're going to be my son. you're going to be my my passer outer guy. Okay, so it's going to be 11 to adult is $12 and 10 and under is $6. So that's going to be the cost for this. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, okay? Hallelujah. And as you know, let's see this Sunday's Palm Sunday, the following Sunday's Easter Sunday. And are you supposed to talk about that again, Leah? You're, you're okay. You're good. Okay. But I did buy some peeps today just so you'll know. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you have any questions about peeps, you have to see Leah. She's the one with the red hair and the red shirt sweater right there. She has all the answers to that. Hallelujah. And then this weekend also, uh, Liz and Dana and I will both be here. Um, they're, they are AFCM missionary overseers. In other words, they oversee the missionaries around the world. And so you never know where they're going to be. Sometimes they're in Thailand. Sometimes they're in Vietnam. Sometimes they're in Sri Lanka. Sometimes they're, you never know where they're going to be. But it's really, really cool some of the things that they come back with. Basically, they are uh, establishing Bible colleges around the world in remote places. So, I mean, it's just you're just going to love them. They're powerful people. They've been friends of ours since forever. <laughs> when we were in Indiana, forever, forever, forever. Okay, well, guess what time it is? It's happy time. So the verse I'm going to use tonight is short and sweet. It's Psalms 3725 in the King James Version. Remember what Pastor was talking about this morning, what we've been talking about, about the price of things, you know, and how... You know, the answer to everything when we get shook is, but God sh- shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, if you're a tither and a giver. And I don't go around claiming that verse if you're not a tither and a giver, because God knows whether you are or not. But I love this verse, Psalms 37:25 says, I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know, and I can't help but think about the people in Ukraine are on my mind all the time. I, I read the other day or I heard the other day that, that Ukraine is the Christian nation of Europe. They are known as the Christian nation in Europe. And uh, this gentleman that was speaking said that 75% of Ukraine is Christian. 75% of Ukraine is Christian. What? Oh, yeah, and there's Bibles in the public schools, unlike a certain other nation that I know of. Taking America back for Jesus, amen. So, I know that God's at work in, in Ukraine. And because of this verse here, I've not seen the righteous, righteous believers in Ukraine right now, nor has seed begging bread. And I know that somehow the Lord is getting food and water to them. Amen. So... Thank you, Lord, that you, that you do that for us in Jesus' name. Well, if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And this fine gentleman, Walter, here, did you have your nap? You look like I feel today. Did you take your nap? No, I did, but it didn't do any good. <laughs> the work so, oh, oh, you're in jam. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being in jam. He was working in our children's ministry, him and Nick. Are you awake? Now, he's awake, but you happen to be a little bit younger, right? Okay, so if you have, if you need an envelope, raise your hand, I need to quit horsing around. But this is Sunday night, and we can do whatever we want to do, right? Because we are not limited by time. Okay, well, so let's stand up, and we'll say our financial faith confession, and then we'll turn this over to Josh and Greg. Amen. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess. Wait, wait a minute. That's the wrong one. <laughs> we do confess that, but we're doing that on <clears throat> financial. As we bring. Yes, thank you. I was trying to think, what's the wor- first word to that? As we bring. The Lord's give if offerings today, we, we believe, receive, receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, We'll
1: you Jesus hallelujah father I don't get tired of saying it he may be God to the world but your father does and we thank you for your greatness we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy and your loving kindness and Jesus we know we're the body of Christ you're the head and we're the body and we know the directions and how to live and how to be a blessing to other people comes from the head. And through your words, you speak it to our hearts and then we do the action. I've carried your love, your good news to our jobs, to our families, in the grocery stores, everywhere we go. And Father, we know the good news is that you still love the world that he you gave your only begotten son, that whosoever believeth should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then your word says, how are they going to know, unless somebody tells them? But Lord, in our church family, we want to be people that listen to the head, and we love, we forgive, we repent when necessary, and we're always ready. We're always ready. Let people know a reason of the hope that's in us, and it's you, Jesus. You delivered us from Satan's kingdom, brought us into your family, the family of love. And tonight, thank you, Lord, for using me to teach your people how to more yield to that love that's already in them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Okay, have you got your outlines? We don't have the Sunday night outlines, but we do have it on the screen tonight, so that's good news. And uh, tonight for your notes, I hope you're taking notes, is your home can be like heaven on earth. Your home can be like heaven on earth. I'm going to show you that for the word of God tonight. And you know, there's so many things that Jesus said, the Bible says so many places. Why would Jesus say "Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven if it wasn't possible? amen you know uh when we get to heaven there's no resistance to the will of god because satan's not there there's no enemies in heaven down here we have enemies we have our flesh we have we have we have our unrenewed minds we've got enemies down here we get to heaven there's no resistance so the will of god is done in heaven in heaven there's no sickness there's no poverty there's no addictions There's no strife because there's no resistance there. And so on earth the Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. If faith works by love, why is that? We've got enemies. And you've got two basic enemies. Number one, every time you look in the mirror you see enemy number one. And then enemy number two, the devil, tries to influence enemy number one. And so you can be your best friend or you can be your worst enemy. It depends on whose side Whose side you choose to serve that day, who you choose to power around. That's not even notes here. That just came out. So that was pretty good, wasn't it? But amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want you to start off with go to Colossians chapter one, verse thirteen. And I want to show you something. And you know, would would you really begin To believe the Bible means what it says, it'll change your life forever. I want to say that again. We're going to look at a verse here, Colossians 1.13, and if you really believe that God's word means what it says, it'll change your life forever. I I, I still always use the King James pretty much all all the time, and I know that a lot of you have different translations. I like Pastor Dave's NLT, but I was in king james for a long long time before he did that that's that's what i'm locked in at but i do read other ones but i like to preach out of king james because that's my comfort zone but colossians 113 and i don't don't think any other thing can say this any more clearer who talking about jesus has delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness you've already been delivered from addictions you've been delivered from sin you've been delivered of the ugliness. In the spiritual realm, it's a fact you've been delivered. It says that he's translated us or transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Spiritually speaking, right now, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They're there. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we're no longer citizens of darkness. We've been delivered. But it takes faith to receive what's already ours. And, you know, I want to say that again. I've helped people before that were seeking to be set free from different addictions they had. And I'd give them this verse, and I'd say, write this down on a card. Put this on your screensaver. And every time that temptation tries to come to you, read this out loud. Instead of begging God for help, instead of begging him to deliver you, instead of begging him to take care of that, you need to open your mouth and say, Lord, I want to thank you. You told me in Colossians 1.13, I've already been delivered from that. And that temptation comes, whatever it is. Lord, I want to thank you. I've been delivered. And then point your finger out at the darkness to the devil and say, Satan, I've been delivered from your authority. You no longer have it over me. You can't do that anymore. And it says you've been translated. You've been transferred already into the kingdom of God. And that'll take place someday all the way around when we die, we go to heaven, we're there. Or as Pastor Dave preached this morning, the rapture, will will be there. But right now, we're living in two worlds. Our body, we need to function in this world. You don't have a body, you can't function. And that's what Jabe said. Jabe said that the, that the body without the spirit's dead, being alone. And so for us to be able to do what we have to do, I could not preach to you right now if I didn't have this body. Amen. I'm not a ghost. I'm a spirit being. I live in this physical body. And for me to be able to express myself to where other human beings could hear me, I've got to have the body. But my body functions from the spiritual arena. My my spirit functions from the spiritual arena. My body's in this arena. Same thing with all of you. And so when we learn how to let the spirit man on the inside control the one on the outside... We'll get more of God's best in our lives. Amen. And so we saw this Colossians 113. We're delivered from Satan's kingdom already. But we've got to walk out the blessing. Now I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to show you a parallel passage in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 23. And it says this, this is the children of Israel. They just came out of the kingdom of Egypt that had them in bondage. And it says, and he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. He brought us out to take us in, to give us the land which he swore to our fathers. And so there's a parallel here. As you, learn, as you learn more Bible principles and how God does things, he uses the Old Testament, Israel, as an example are a type of New Testament Testament Christianity. We're Christians in the New Testament. Well, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Hebrews, were the ones God was working with. And so Egypt, like Satan, Pharaoh like Satan, Egypt like Satan's demons, the people there, they controlled God's people. And when you've studied when they were in Egypt, when they were in bondage, they couldn't go where they wanted to go, do what they wanted to do. They had to do what they were told. They didn't like it. He killed them. Well, that's the way it is today. People are controlled by Satan. They can't do what they want to do. You know, people don't just get bored and say, I want to be an addict. They don't come into the world and say, my greatest goal is to be a pervert by the time I'm 12. I want to be a habitual liar. I want to be a thug. I want to hurt people. Satan gets control of people's lives. And then from the time they're young, as they're growing older, they do things they don't really want to do deep on the inside but they don't know how to get out, amen. And so God sent Moses in the Old Testament, he's to God's people, and he said, Moses, set my people free. I'm gonna anoint you and call you, and you can bring them out. So then, of course, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And there come a in time that Pharaoh had to let them go. Well, then in the New Testament, he sent Jesus, and then Jesus came, and the Bible says he stripped Satan of his authority. So he went down into hell, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he says he rose up victorious. And so he took us out of that kingdom, just like here for God's people in the Deuteronomy. He said, I took you out to bring you in. And so we were taken out of Satan's kingdom to come into God's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And, our, and he was taking them to Canaan land, he promised them all those good things in Canaan land. In the book of Deuteronomy really is a really good lesson of what was going on there. But then our Canaan land is the promises of the New Testament. Abundance, peace in our homes, healing, health, favor, every good thing there is that the New Testament promises that belongs to us. And so they, they had to fight enemies. Then, if you know the story, they had to cross the Jordan River. Joshua took them across the Jordan, and the first thing they do is march around Jericho. Then they started coming in and conquering one thing after another. And in our lives, in our lives, as we begin to learn things like we're teaching tonight, like we teach all the time here, a lot of other good churches do, you can conquer the sickness thing where you find it, that, that belongs to me. Healing is mine. Amen. You could can, can, you can conquer the strife in the home and the kids and the moms and the dads all the time fighting each other. You can find out, no, peace belongs to me harmony belongs to my home. and, and the prosperity, then you find out that Jesus, two Corinthians eight and nine says, became poor so that I through his poverty might be made rich. God wants us to have rich means of uh, abundant supply, a full provision. God wants us to have more than enough, but He says He took us out to bring us in. And look at where we are. If we come out of the kingdom of darkness, and say, Glory to God! I'm not, I'm not in bondage that anymore. Man, I'm free. If you stop there, you're probably going to go back you got to keep marching forward. Amen. Listen to me. you got to keep marching forward. He didn't deliver you just so you could still be the same dumb you. He delivered you so you could change. Amen. Amen. That's what we're preaching about tonight. So I want you to go over to chapter 11 of Deuteronomy now. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Is somebody getting excited to the church somewhere? I don't know if you're probably not picking that up out there on... YouTube land or Facebook, but (laughs) we do have a shouter in here, and there are real people here. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want you to look at verse 21. I heard this at a conference probably 35 years ago or longer, 40 years ago, and this verse has always meant a lot to me, and I want you to see this, I'm going to preach around this verse tonight, And, 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 and get a hold of these things. The Bible is God talking to you. The Bible's God talking to me, and if I do what He says, I'll get what He says I can have. How many want that? Mrs. Pastor, you can get it, then. Dave, you can get it. Does anybody? Cindy, I see that head. Okay, verse twenty-one, and then I'm, I'm going to be preaching around this, so I want to read this first of all because this is my main verse: that your days may be multiplied, at the days of your children. That means long life. He wants you to live long in the land which the Lord swear to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. He said he wants you and your children to have days like heaven on earth. And I want to say it again there's no enemies in heaven. Here on heaven, we have to, we have to learn how to use our faith. We have to learn how to act on the word so heaven on earth can be in our home. There might be some attacks from hell some days. Then in the name of Jesus, we always triumph. But we can't just be pacifists. We can't just be laid down and just think, uh, you know, I'm doing good. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm I'm doing all right. Well, guess what? You're Satan's biggest target then. If all you want to do is good and never do any fighting, he's going to clean your clock. This is pretty serious tonight. (laughs) But that's how this works. I'm a very nice guy. guy, I'm a very nice guy, nice person, but I have no mercy on Satan. I'd, I I do everything I can to make my flesh shut up. I see those things going on, I know if I just do nothing, I lose. You know, has anybody ever been on an escalator at the airport, they got these big long escalators, you know, and you're walking a long ways, and you think, boy, I'm going to get on that for a while, they didn't care me up here for a ways. Well, guess what? If, you, if you're on earth like that, there's an escalator all the time trying to suck you back to where you were. If you're not walking against the current, it's going to suck you back to where you were. You can't stand still. That's why the Bible talks about walking with God. The steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. He delights in our way. And so we have to know we have to be doing something continually all the time or that it escalator is going to take us in the wrong direction and we back from where we were. I want to live long. I want to go to heaven. That's my greatest goal, but if I go to heaven, I can't influence you. I can't influence my kids, my grandkids, the people in the world that God has me come into contact with to be able to do what it was. I can't do that from heaven, and so if it wasn't for that, I'd check out in a minute. But when you're a born-again child of God with the love of God in your heart, you want to help people. And so whatever you want to do in life, you want to be able to be a blessing to people, amen? And so the first thing you got to do is be able to be blessed yourself and then be able to be a blessing to your family because if your family's hurting, you can't really help anybody else because you're always focused on you. But you get your family healthy and in good shape, then your whole family's an evangelistic team. And we have a lot of families like that in the church and we love that. But anyway, according to this verse right here, that God wants you to live long, it says have days of heaven upon the earth. So God's will is for you to have that healthy productive, these met abundantly, truly enjoyable, long life. That's the will of God. But I want to look at verse 18, at these next few verses, and it tells you how, how to begin to possess your land, how to take your land. And in Canaan land, it was a land of all the good crops and everything and, and all the wealth they had. In our land, we have all the good things in the New Testament. And so here's how you begin to do that. It's the same way they explained it here really well. Verse 18 says, Therefore shall you lay up or put these words, God's words, in your heart and in your soul. In your heart and in your soul. And I've got to explain that because people don't understand the difference between their heart and their soul. The Bible teaches spirit, soul, and body. And as you go through Deuteronomy, you're going to see place after place after place where he says this phrase, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And most Christians fail because they eat the wrong kind of soul food. Amen. Amen. Soul food are just things that make you feel good but they don't give you any faith from the Bible. I know that uh, there's a lot of things I used to like to read and things like that. They wasn't bad things, but they wasn't faith things. And so they entertained me, mysteries, different fictional stories, things I liked to read years and years ago. I, I had, what, when I first uh, was saved, I had a relative who used to send me Reader's Digest every year. As far as I know, if it hadn't changed, nothing wrong with that book. You know, it had a lot of good stuff in there. I could sit and get a gross going through there reading my favorite things in there all day long and never read the Bible. My soul got entertained, but my soul got weak. And I'm not at all knocking Reader's Digest. But there's lots of sports magazines. There's lots of mechanics magazines. There's all kinds of magazines out there. Nothing at all wrong with them. But if you spend your whole time Reading good things that don't teach you how to be a parent, or how to be a strong believer, or how to believe God for money if you need it, or how to believe for healing if your your family needs healed, then guess what? Your soul's weak. He said, "We got to take care of our heart and our soul." So there's Christians, there's Christians that truly love Jesus with all their heart, but they don't love Him with their soul because their soul would rather watch all kinds of things that have nothing to do with Christianity. Their soul would rather hang out with people that share a common natural interest, but no spiritual interest. And so, man, you pile around with the old buddies. that are not really bad. Well, they're not Christians, but they don't drink, and they don't cuss. They're really not bad. They're just good people. We just got a lot in common. Well, yeah, you got a whole lot more in common when you become like one of them again forget your first love. Amen. He said, right here, he's given us directions on how the days have the days of heaven on earth in our home. Man, I'll tell you what, I had enough of the devil my first part of my life. I don't want him to be the one controlling my home anymore. Amen. He says, abide these words as a sign upon your hand, that they may be as fretless between your eyes. He said, Keep the word of God going in your home, as you shall teach them your children. Oh, I just think when my kids get old enough, they'll make their own choices. Well, if you never influence them, they'll make their own choices, all right, the devil's choices. And the people that you let be their pals, they'll help them make the wrong choices. Amen. It says, you teach your children. And I tell you this, there's a whole lot to teach them while they're young, before they get old and get the, get the habits you used to have. You're the ones supposed to do that. We had a good men's meeting yesterday. I told the guys that because nothing's impossible with God, even if you got saved at an older age in life, if you got saved at an older age, then your kids will get saved at an older age too. Amen. He did a miracle in my life at 28 and a half years old when I gave my life to him. So if you're a person that got born again, you're older, you think, well, yeah, but I never was there for my kids. I never knew this. Well, praise God, it's a new day. Amen. You can be there for him now. You can change now. And people always forget the God factor. If it's just you doing it, it'll never get done. But when you got God involved, because number one, you really do love him for all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You really are sold out to him. So you read your Bible more than just what's it's on the screen in your church service. You actually have a real Bible at home. You read your Bible, and then when you pray, you're really praying and having fellowship with the Father, not just saying some empty words. When you have that kind of relationship, you got his attention. And then when you do, and you're talking about your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren, and you're talking to him in faith terms that he listens to, then you're going to see God start moving on your kids. You know, I I tell Mrs. Pastor something, I don't think about a lot of things, but her dad and mom are both in heaven now, and her dad was a really serious World War II soldier. I mean, really, I mean, he bombed things. (laughs) He put bombs down, and he was in a lot of places in World War II, and that hardness I've been a bit of World War II soldier really affected him for his life. And when I met that guy, when I first got married to her, he was really a crusty old, mean guy. He was pretty rough. But I remember as he got older, he got tender. I was talking to her about this, I think, this morning. I said, do you remember that day we was walking up the stairs of our first church and your dad stopped me and said, Bernie, do you have a healing ministry? I thought, where'd that come from? How do you to know think about that? Well, then I told his point, I said, I said, boy, I think I realized that when we didn't see what was going on, God had people talking to him. And he evidently was watching TBN or something, because that would have been something I never dreamed in a million years that her dad would have said to me. But he got real tender hearted at the end of his life and he changed. And so all the family, did anybody ever watch Archie Bunker before? All the family identified her dad as Archie Bunker in the flesh. I mean, bad there's anybody he didn't have a slang word for I don't know who it was. any race or nationality, he knew what to call him. but then things changed. And I'm calling that the God factor. So I'm saying if you look at people in your lives right now and you think it's too late, it's not too late. But we as Christians could realize even if we didn't know Jesus ourselves till we got older, then we could still be what we're supposed to be to influence those under us and they can get it sooner. Amen. Is this speaking to anybody? This is very, very real. This is for real. Yes, anyway, it says, "Teach it to your t- children. Speak to them when you sit in thine house, when you walk by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And I'm thinking about the class you guys are taking on Sunday nights. Was night the last one? Hey, Amen. Well, I can't wait to get all the good reports. But anyway, uh, how this works, it's not a religious thing. Over the course of my life, because I got bored again at 28 and a half years old, and I knew some religious people that were meaner than a junkyard dog to their kids. They would tell them what they couldn't do, what they couldn't have, parents never really lived it, but they legalized it and made their kids hate God, hate church, hate everything about life, hate they can do with what they called religion. Well, I got born again at 28 and a half years old. I met a man named Jesus Christ. And I found out he wasn't religion. I found out he was a person. And when I met Jesus, And Jesus delivered me and set me free from the life I was living that I received his love. And so my two little girls at the time had one that was three and one that was five. And so the first few years of their life, up to that point in time, they didn't have a dad that was a Jesus man. I became a Jesus man. When I became a Jesus man, I learned what the love of God was. And so I could teach the Bible to my children without being a religious nut. And then when I married Mrs. Pastor, we ended up having, she had two, and then we had four more. Then we learned, it was so easy to teach the Bible to kids without bit a religious thing. Driving down the road, look at those clouds. God made those clouds. You know someday Jesus is going to come through clouds? Driving down the street. Well, look at that tree over there. Uh, little Davey, who made that tree? Jesus did, Dad. Joshua, look at those dogs over there. Who made the dogs? Jesus made the dogs, Dad. I mean, all the time, our life is incorporated around Jesus, God things. And I I can tell you something that maybe some of you have made the mistake. This mistake, don't do it. We never one time made our kids go to church. Because we live for Jesus every day, our kids wanted to go to church. There's times now that I know sometimes the grandkids sometimes have to provoke the parish to come to church. There's sometimes the ki- parents want a day off and the grandkids that are at a Jesus church with Jesus people, they don't want to miss out on their friends. They're out there. And I was telling, I was telling one of my grandsons the other day, having trouble in school, some bullies and some mean guys and stuff. I said, I want to tell you something I found out. He wanted not to pray for him. I prayed. I said, when I was in school, I said, I hated it because of the bullies. I wasn't a fighter i just a really nice, meek little guy, and I got picked on. I said, I couldn't wait to get out of school. I wasn't a Christian, didn't know anything about anything. I said, you know what I found out was rough? I stepped into life, into the man's workforce. The same guys were there. There's mean people everywhere. There's things everywhere. And so we had to teach our children how to live life. And so what I learned was no matter where you go, you're going to have the giants. But when you get a hold of the love of God, we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, learn how to walk in that love, then you're not afraid anymore. You're not intimidated anymore, and you can handle life. And so we taught our kids, and I teach my grandkids when I was teaching this one the other day. See, that what am I doing right there? I'm doing what it says right here. You're teaching the love of God. You're teaching the word of God. That's not a legalistic thing. Okay, kids, got five Bible verses tonight. I want you to learn all the begats about who the begatters were. And if you can't stand forwards and backwards, Okay, who begat Boaz? No, 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 no. Okay, now, all, all right. King Hezekiah, how long was he sick? If you can't quote those verses to me, uh, no TV tonight. No, you can't play you your friends. You get these two chapters learned out of Genesis. Two chapters out of Genesis. Have you ever seen people raise their kids that way and memorize those things like that and horribly mean to them? I guess you guys... It wasn't, didn't know anybody in California like that. Maybe there weren't that many Christians. Well, the Bible Belt, <laughs> we had Christians. and we had legalists? We actually had people like that. You know, the eyes for eyes, the tooth for a tooth people. Well, anyway, what I'm telling you, when he says these things here, it's very easy in modern times, <clears throat> with all the especially with all the internet Christian things we have now. All the, all the Christian things you can come across TV that at a kid's level of thinking that they can get this in them with you living it for them and with them and role modeling for them to where we can teach the Bible to these kids now a whole lot easier than they used to. We can have it going in the house all the time. Amen. And I'm not just talking about a religious nut thing. My kids got to enjoy sports. They played basketball. They played baseball. Didn't have soccer back in Indiana, really, and a lot of things. But my kids got to be real kids. We enjoyed life, but Jesus was involved in everything we did. One of the hardest things that i ever had to do at little league baseball my music minister had two sons on one team and i had my sons joshua and david on another team ever simply the music minister played little league baseball who do we pray for <laughs> but i'm telling you we had fun the things i'm saying aren't talking about being legalistic mean people they're talking about this is real life is real we've got promises in the new testament that god wants us to get And we've got to learn how to get them. So you can see here that a lot of this majors on how serious we are about learning God's ways. And when I say learning God's laws, I'm not talking about legalistic laws. I'm talking about God's spiritual laws. He's got the law of faith. He's got the law of love. He's got the law of tithing. And that's just talking about principles. That's ways God wants us to live when we're talking about learning his laws and his precepts. It says, Thou shalt write them, verse 20. Thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house, and upon thy gates, he says, so your days will be multiplied, etc., and days of heaven on earth. Then verse 22, verse 22, he says, for if you shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. So he tells us what to do that we can we can. Begin to learn his ways more and more and more and more. And the more we walk in his ways, the more we have his promises. The more we have his promises, the more we have days of heaven on earth in our home. Say, days of heaven on earth. Days of heaven on earth. Say that again. Days of heaven on earth. earth. How many have had too many days of hell? No, I'm serious. You know, there's, there, there, there's opposites in the Bible. You know, I mean, I, I, I dare to say there's probably at least one or two people in this room sometime in the last season that said, boy, life's just hell. But i tell you what, I feel like all hell broke out against my family this week. Well, guess what? It probably did. But we, we can do what God said to do and we can knock hell out and have days of heaven on earth. Not days of heaven when we get to heaven, days of heaven on earth. Why would God tell the people in the Old Testament that they could have days of heaven on earth if we have a new and better covenant according to Hebrews eight six? if you want to write that down, Hebrews eight six says we have a better covenant. Why would God tell them in the Old, before Jesus came, they could have it if we couldn't have it in the New? days of heaven on earth your home can be like heaven on earth go to romans chapter 5 verse 5 and i want to show you some very specific scriptures that begin to change my life as a new christian he says write them on write them on your walls keep them in front of your eyes says get a hold of them talk about them to your children talk about them to your children oh those little rug rats well, if that's what you want, you can have what you say. Right. They're going to eat me out of house and home. Well, you can have what you say. I say, I've been young, now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, Lord, my seed, eating me out of house and home. i tell you what, I can't, oh, boy, man, those little boys were growing. i tell you, those feet grew so fast, looked like they were in pontoon boats. I'd never forget that. I had a little had a little Ford Fiesta a long, long time ago. And uh our first two boys, they're really, really big. Their feet must be that long. <laughs> I remember mean, we'd pile those kids at Ford Fiesta. That's four seatbelt days. that we'd have shoes sticking out the windows everywhere. Like I thought, man, those kids' feet grow fast. And you had to down, but then the top would still grow it all the time. But you know what? I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor my seed going barefoot. No, I'm telling you right now, if you complain and gripe all the time about how you can't take care of your kids, you're never going to be able to take care of your kids. It's the law of faith. The law of faith, you have what you say. We always have more than enough. How about you? You know what, that's a good thing to say. Start learning some new talks. Say, we always have more than enough. Say it again like you mean to say, we always have more than enough. Say that's the will of God, and I'm going to walk in it. Amen, amen. And so this Romans chapter five verse five, as we looked at these things to learn the ways of God, so we talk about it to our children and to our grandchildren in our home, so we can have days of heaven on earth. Says this Romans five five. Look at the very last part of that verse, the second part. It says the love of God is is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us the love of God is right now in our hearts it didn't say it's in your head Satan throws hateful thoughts to your head but Satan can't mess with your heart the Holy Spirit Jesus live in your heart they don't live in your head God communicates to your heart not your head when you get things from God, they're not to your head directly, they're from your heart coming up to your head. And the more you learn, the more you learn to pick up those little subconscious things out of your spirit, out of your heart, the easier it is for you to know what God wants you to do. It says, The love of God's in our heart. See, so many Christians go by, they used to have bumper stickers back in Indiana. I don't know if they had them here, but there's an expression going around for a while that said, I don't get mad, I get even. I'd pull behind these jerks on the road like that, the road ragers. Say, I don't get mad, I get even. I thought, man, I'm gonna stay away from you then. And so I do get mad sometimes, but I don't get even. I forgive. Amen. You know why I can forgive like God forgives? Because the same love He's got I've got is in my heart. I just have to tell my head, shut up. I have to say, head, shut up. I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and my head, that mind part of me is part of the soul that read it, and so I have to feed my soul Bible food, not soul food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4, 4, if you want to write it down. Matthew 4, 4, he said we're supposed to live by every word. From the mouth of God. I want to tell you something else too. The word of God is spiritual food for your spirit. And also, in your life, you need natural food to live. Amen? And you need to breathe breathe to live. And so praying to your spirit is like breathing in life. You need to pray, but you need to eat. And so, if you quit eating natural food, your body gets weak. If you quit breathing, your body dies. So you got to pray to keep your spiritual life alive, but you got to eat to have strength to pray. And so can you see how that works? And so man does not live by bread alone. And so we've got to feed our spirit and feed our soul. Then when our soul is fed the right food, when our soul is fed the right food, then our soul will give the right response. Amen. And so he says, the love of God... It shed brought our hearts as soul as a born-again, new creation, child of God. Now listen to this. This is how you've got to change to get days of heaven on earth. You're not just an ordinary human being. We are not just ordinary human beings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says we're not to live like mere unsaved men. We're to live as supernatural on the inside. Born again, love nature of God and Son Jesus Christ in our spirits. That's who we are. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We can love like Jesus loves. We can forgive like Jesus forgives. We can help people like Jesus helps people. Why is that? Because we have his love in our hearts. God so loved the world that he gave. If His love's in our heart, that's why Christians are the greatest givers in the world. Cause the love of God in us, what's a give of ourselves? Jesus said, "There's no greater love than to lay down your life for the brethren." And I'll tell you what i learned that when you become step from a believer to being a pastor, that's on steroids in how you lay down your life for the brethren. You know, I have never in my whole pastoral life worked for worked for a salary. I get a salary. But a salary never was why I worked. When I came to California, they didn't even have a house for me. I gave my cars away. I didn't have a salary since I was here for a while before I got here. I got here because I came here because God wanted me here. I laid down my life for the brethren when I came here. And I told the people that I came here, I said, I'd pay you just to be here because I'm in the will of God. And when I did that, I know that uh, some of the people said, shut up, pastor, don't say that, don't say that. I say, that's my heart. I'm not here for money. I'm here because I have the love of God in my heart. And God told me California people needed me, so that's why I'm here. And every one of you sitting out here, I know you're the same way. You do things that you wouldn't do if you lived out of your head. You do things because you live out of your heart. Because the love of God in your heart urges you to do things. And because it's the love of God you've learned how to yield to it, you do those things. But I want to tweak that love tonight. I want to help you fine-tune that love so you come to a higher level in that love walk. How many want that? Amen. And so to enjoy days of heaven on earth, you must learn how to get this love to dominate and control your thoughts, your words, and your emotions. I want you to let that sink in. If you want days of heaven on earth, You've got to learn how to get that love out of your heart, into your soul, into your mind, your will, and emotions, so that love begins to dominate, control your thoughts, words, and your actions. Now, I want to go to Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, and you've probably, if you've been a born-again Christian any length of time at all, you're well familiar with these verses. <clears throat> the Bible calls them the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and because I'm not going this other direction, but if you started looking at verse 19 through 21, you'd see, you'd see the fruit of your unregenerate flesh before you were Christians. And if you're a Christian and you eat too much soul food and not enough spiritual food, then that fruit of the flesh will still operate. Hatred, sexual immorality, murders, drunkenness, revelings, partings, just live in everything for me, 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 fun, 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 me, 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 fun, 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 all for me and none for you. That's the fruit of the flesh. And so that's why he says in verse 22, but because we don't live there anymore, we're out of that kingdom, we're in the kingdom of light. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is. What that tells me is that we already have the fruit. Well, we've got to develop it. Has anybody ever had fruit trees? I know I've i had a lot of trees over the years, apple, pear, and different kinds of trees, had a lot of pistachio trees. Well, start off with where they're getting going. Before you got the fruit, you got the little buds, and you take care of the tree. Little buds then turn into little little berries and little different things, and you keep them going. They get the sunshine. They get the rain. You take care of the dirt. Then they start getting bigger and bigger. and develops. When you get born again, you don't have full grown mature fruit. It's got to grow and develop. And what's the first fruit to say? What's it say in your Bible? First fruit is what? Love, well, that's Romans 5.5. 5. You got the love of God in your heart. That's the number one fruit. Everything in your life revolves around love. If you don't get the love thing down pat, you're never gonna go very far. You'll never have the love of God in your home. Days of heaven on earth in your home if you don't set the standard. And you know, I'd like to say it this way, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character of God. Have you read these, you'll see this. Is Is God long suffering? Is he love? Is he peace? Is he gentle? Is he kind? That's the character of God. So the fruit of the Spirit in your life is the character of God becoming more real. Have you ever been around people that are real, really good Christian people and say, man, I come to this house, I just felt so much peace here. Man, I didn't want to leave. I just want to be around you guys. Your family has so much love. Your family has so much peace. Well, you guys just laughed the whole time we was here. And there wasn't a dirty joke. Wasn't some corny, sexy comedy thing on. It was just people sitting around with nothing but other people, laughing and singing and playing and having fun. You know why? The character of God was allowed to operate through people through their thoughts, their words of their actions, and even sinners coming in to think, Wow there 's something different about this you know I, I remember you know you just as you live life, you know things there used to be a there used to be a place before I was a born again Christian. I hung out in Beach Grove, Indiana. it was called the Grove. It was a country music bar. I was a country music guy I was stupid i'm not, whatever anyway, I was a sinner and and when I, when, I, when I was growing up, I got to go to my, my grandma's Baptist church, and they had an organ, and they had a piano in there. And it was real quiet and peaceful. Never saw a guitar in a church. Well, in the Grove I went to, we had all the you know the country music guys, they all had their guitars and drums and all, everything they was doing, and doing all their stuff there. Well, the first day I stepped into the Pentecostal church as a sinner, I walked in there, I looked up there, and I'd never seen a guitar in a church. They had guitars up there on the platform. It was a half black, half white church. They had, a, they had a rock and black organ man. A guy could make that thing, do all kinds of stuff. They had a piano up there. They had a couple keyboards. They had drums. They had that. I walked in there, and when I first walked in, I thought, this looks like the grove. They got all these people up here. They look kind of weird. And they got all these instruments. But when they started doing their music, all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. Like at our church, the anointing of God came in. And I thought, same instruments... Looks like the same kind of people, except the atmosphere changed. And then I recognized after I started coming for a while and got born again, that must be what they talk about the anointing. That's the anointing of God this music brings in. And so we as Christians, in our lives, as we let the character of God begin to take over the fruit of the Spirit, there's anointing that comes over us, comes out of us, and you know what surprised me, when I, when I was a Christian, first born again truck driver, I had a route in downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, and after several months of being a serious Christian, where I actually carried the anointing of God where it could be felt by people that get around me, it totally shocked me. From executives of big corporations to little people that run the loading docks, un- unload their lives to be a stranger. Man, I started hearing about the sexual immorality in their marriages. I'd hear about the dumb, drunken, wild, dopey kids, what was going on. These people just opened their lives to me. I found out what it was because of the character of God. They felt peaceful. They'd talk to me. And then I'd begin by the Holy Spirit to give them answers about things going on and what to do. Perfect strangers, and I'm telling you, from millionaire, for millionaire CEOs, all the way down to the people that just got hired there yesterday off the streets. They just opened up to me. And as a pastor, that's always happened. And I know for many of you, it's the same thing. When the character of God, when the character of God has actually lived in somebody's life, people trust you. Do you want your kids to trust you more? Get more of that character working. You, who do you want your kids to learn sex from? amen I know where I learned mine at I learned mine from the stupid boys in the locker room the stupid boys in the locker room just had one goal that wasn't basketball but anyway uh, the character God here tells about the character God says it's love joy peace, long suffering gentleness gentleness has anybody ever heard that word before? You know what? That goes a long ways in a marriage. It goes a long ways if your children do what you want them to do. But, Dad, don't want to do it. You better do it because I'm Dad and I said so. That's it. Mom, why can't I do it, Mom? Because I'm Mom and you can't do it. You know there's a better way? Does God ever talk to you that way? Is there a thing sometimes you want to do? God just I'm going to lay the hammer down and you get together, I'm going to get the bat out. I'll tell you, I'm going to smack you down. I'm going to take it away from you. That's not what God does in your heart. The gentle, still, small voice of the Holy Spirit just lets you know, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Or sometimes, sometimes it's something he wants you to do, to bless somebody, help somebody, or maybe you to apologize in a situation you didn't cause, God wants you to get that thing amended and you don't want to, that gentle voice just lets you know. Go talk to them. Go talk to them. Call them. Call them. Don't just text them. Call them. They've got to hear your voice. Don't just text them. I'll tell you what, texting is good I love texting, but there's some situations texting makes it worse. Because then you get the next thing back, the ugly faces and other things like that, and say, well, I know what you said. I don't know what you really meant. I talk about how God talks to us. Is he gentle or not? Where's his love at? In your heart. Where's his fruit at? It's in your heart. And so we're the ones, if we're going to walk in the character of God, we're going to have some gentleness. You know, not only gentle men, but gentle women. Amen. Amen. And so it says gentleness. And then it says goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, Against such, there is no law. That's what he said said right there. There's nothing that Satan can bring against you that will stand up against the love of God. Does God ever lose? No. The character of God is greater than anything Satan has. God doesn't lose because God always walks in love. God is love. And so the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character of God, and the goal is for us to be transformed in our soul so that his character becomes our character. I want to say that again. God's goal for your life, if you want days of heaven on earth, I guess i got to stop and just say that again to make sure that I'm still on the same page, I didn't lose you. Tonight's subject is we're talking about the goals of having heaven on earth at our home. And so when we ourselves allow God's character to transform our character, then we're gonna have more days of heaven on earth in our home. And you know what else I can tell you? Uh, There could be spiritual bombs dropping all around you. There could be turmoil all around you, but you carry the kingdom of God in you. You'd be in the midst of everything going on, and you could be the one stabilizing factor and the whole family changes everything. Because you refuse to cooperate with the war, in that natural war. You know, what I learned a long time ago yeah, these things, when Christ has tried to come into family situations, not just my immediate family, but extended family things I've been to before, I just turn around where they can't see me talking and I say, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You get out of here right now. I recognize what you're trying to do. You're trying to divide and conquer, stir up strife, I paralyze you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. And then I just turn around and just all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere changes because I let the Spirit of God with the character of God in me, the love nature of God in me begin to speak. What did Jesus say to the storm when the ship was getting hit? Peace be still. And said the storm ceased and the waves calmed, and we could do the same thing. In the spiritual reading in our house, but when the fights going on, and what? Well, 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 Dad, Dave, what do you think? What do you think, Dave? Come on, Dave, take my side. They just as their smiles. <laughs> it says, family, don't we love Jesus? But we just love Jesus. And I tell you what, if you just get one person of that family to stop and act like Jesus would act, that brings the peace of God to that house. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like days of heaven on earth again. And then you can have the testimony. All hell tried to break loose in my house last night, but we didn't let it. And so, and so we already have that character in born again spirit, but like a child, we've got to let that grow and develop and mature to get it from the inside to the outside. And so for my last little part here, what I want to show you is what I've learned to do out of all my years of Christian living, and I still do that very, very frequently. I look at a passage of First Corinthians 13 in the Amplified Bible, uh, it's, it's in all the other translations that it's good in them too. But this is an this is, this is example, this is a working example of the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God in operation if we will let it. 1 Corinthians 13, do we call that the love chapter? Hey, Babby, you know what? That's, the love chapter is supposed to get off the pages to our life becomes the love life the God kind of love life. And uh, is everybody doing okay? You're waking up to give me a little bit more time? I don't want to lose you because this this is so critical the days we live in. You know, our whole society is so saturated with hate and offense and everybody gets somebody and things like that. Well, we're the church. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. We're supposed to have something different and it's got to start right in our homes. And so And so as Christians, we've got to get these things off the pages, into our hearts, out of our hearts, into our soul where it manifests. And so in the book of Psalms, I'm just telling you this, don't want to go to it because you can't go real long. In Psalms 1, the first three verses tells us, choose wisely who our friends are we hanging out with. And then it says, meditate in the word day and night. And then it says, when we meditate in the word day and night, we'll have the fruit like a fruitful tree. Well, the fruit we're looking at is the fruit of the Spirit. This is Psalm 1, 1, 2, and 3. As that word meditate. It says means you ponder the Word of God. You speak it out loud. You recite the Word of God. And so I learned that as a new Christian. And so for 42 years, when i have been in my prayer closet, nearly 100% of the time, I always read the Word of God out loud, not to be religious, but I realize, I realize that I was taught from, from the Psalms, from Joshua 1, have you meditated the word by speaking it out loud to yourself? You get a whole lot more out of it. How does faith come? Hearing. So who hears you the most? Who do you hear the most? You hear yourself the most. And so when I'm in my prayer closet and I'm reading the Bible, I read out loud. And then I come to passages like we're looking at here in 1 Corinthians 13, that I put it in first person. And I say this, I actually say this. I say, Jesus, this is you talking about me. This is who I am. Jesus, this is what I have. Jesus, this is what I can do. And what am I doing? I'm meditating in the word as I'm telling you how to get the character of God out of your heart and into your life. How many want to have more of what Jesus said? Amen. I love, I love days of heaven on earth in my family. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, He was joking, but I heard him say this. He said, my wife and I, out of all of our years of marriage, never had one argument. And man, he caught my attention. I thought, man, never had one argument. Then he'd say, but our neighbors sometimes heard us had loud discussions two blocks away. Well, I've got to say this. We've had some pretty loud discussions, but our stupid stuff gets out of there quick, because we catch it, and we kick it out, and we get it right. And so when when I'm talking, I want everybody to know We're still human beings. Dumb things happen, but we can stop it. And so 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8a, says this. Love endures long and is patient and kind. I've got three by five cards. I still see them. I've got a bit of stack at home. Way back in early 1981 when I got a hold of this. I still pull those cards out and read them out loud. And I did this this morning, as a matter of fact. I did this afternoon with this verse right here. I read this. I've got the love of God in my heart, and I want it manifest in my life. I said, Lord, your word says, because I have the love of God in my heart, it says it endures long and is patient and kind. Jesus, I endure long and I'm patient and kind. I endure long and I'm patient and kind. I endure long and I'm patient and kind. If you want this working in your life, you're going to have to start identifying with it. You have to start saying it. Write it on some cards. Whatever, whatever your thing, for all the modern things, put it on your phone or something. I don't know, you know, I don't know what all you do. Whatever your best thing is to keep seeing things, do screensavers, have something pop up. All this stupid stuff pops on my phone all the time. Man, I really have good stuff pop up. And so start telling yourself love endures long and is patient and kind. I've got that in me, so I endure long and I'm patient and kind. And then when something dumb happens with a person, that's when you get to use your faith. That's when you get to let the character of God show up. You know, some people sometimes, think about this. How many years have we heard the expression, using God's name in vain? You think that bothers God? He endures long, and he's patient and kind. He's quick to forgive. He just listens, and he says, oh, I just love him so much. They're going to get it. I love him so much. So why should you blow off, blow up at people they're being stupid towards you. Why do you think Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Because they didn't know what they are doing. Do you know that when people are coming against a sincere, born-again Christian that's really living for God, walking with God, doing the will of God, that if people harass them, they might give by with it for years. There comes a point in time when God says, that's enough, Stacy. I'm going to take care of it. But that's why God is durs long and patience and kind. Because he knows when people are doing things they shouldn't do to his people, there comes a point in time when God says that's enough. That makes it easy for me if I've been persecuted to endure long and be patient and kind. Why in my heart I cry for people that have caused me trouble over the years because I know they don't know what they're doing. If they knew, if they knew, if they knew that they was attacking the Jesus enemy, And I don't say that haughtily. I don't say that out of religiosity. I know that Jesus showed up to Saul of Tarsus. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul of Tarsus said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Well, Jesus was in heaven, but Paul was giving Christians a hard time. And so I know that when people harass me, there comes a point in time, they're gonna get in trouble. I don't pray for that, I don't speak it out, but in my heart, because I have the love of God, All I'm going to do is endure long and be patient and kind. Why is that? I want days of heaven on earth. Is this helping anybody? Anybody see things here? And so, uh, there's there's a lot of things that are all good stuff, but I want to look at just a few things here that are really the ones I mainly stand on. Look at verse 5. It says, Love is not rude unmannerly. And so I say, I am not rude, I'm not unmannerly. I'm not rude, I'm not unmannerly. I I try not to jump ahead of people in lines. I try to stay with good manners. And I have the Holy Spirit in my wife that helps me. (laughs) She's like Holy Spirit (laughs) Jirger. But no, I'm I'm very serious about this. Your flesh was to be rude to people. You know, you get to the grocery stores, all things going on. It's really, really tough. I tell you, one of my toughest ones but overcome, I don't really remember having this trouble in Indiana, but I've had it in California several times. I'm almost to the line and I got two things in my hand. That's somebody I have a great big cart packed over top, jumps right in front of me. And I'm standing there <laughs> I patiently got it. I'm not rude done badly. And all the time this side i am just Old man coming back. I said, old man, you're dead. You're not coming back. And, you know, there's been, there's been so many times when I see people like that, I, I like get ahead of me sometimes just for my character to be where it's supposed to be to bless people sometimes. Not too often, but sometimes I just do that because I tell people are full of anxiety and stuff. I want to bless them. Has anybody ever done that? And then you think, well, they'll turn me down anyway. They don't. <laughs> Well, is that the character of God? does God say, come on, let's go? Not rude and unmanly, not act becoming. Love, now listen to this. This is big for your marriage. It's big for your parenting and a lot of other things. Love, that is God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way. I'm talking about days of heaven on earth. He said, write these words down. Teach these to your children. Talk about them while you're walking. Talk about them while you're you're driving down the road. He says, put them on your walls. Talk about these things. Get them in your soul. Get them in your heart. This here is real spiritual food, not soul food. Does not assist on its own rights or some way for it is not self-seeking. Wow. This next one was really a tough one to overcome. And it still tries to come back. Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Husbands and wives, if you want to kill your marriage and get held back in there, next time you and your husband or you and your wife are having words, bring up what they did five years ago, and you know they didn't really, they didn't really repent. Just keep bringing it up. Take account of the evil done. It says the love of God takes no account of the evil done to it. If somebody told you, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm a Christian. I know what I did to you was wrong. I know it hurt you. Would you forgive me? Well, if you if you ask Jesus to forgive you, is Jesus gonna say, okay, but I'm making a note right here. And in five years, if I even suspect I'm going to accuse you again and say, see, I told you you never, you, you never really repented. I'm about days of heaven on earth. I think that's one of the biggest hits I've seen in marriages. people come to me for help, is they tell me, well, you know what? When we was first married, here's what he always did. How long have you been married? 52 years. When was the last time you did it? 52 years ago. You know what? They gonna be no days of heaven on earth in that family. You know why? Because right there is the love test. It's taking account of the evil done to it. It's paying attention to a suffered wrong. So therefore, they don't qualify. Uh, I, I see. I'm getting the yawn from the front row. So if she's getting sleepy, you must be too. So we'll close it up. <laughs> okay. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices. Love rejoices. When right and truth prevail. Can I tell you what that means in case you don't know? There's a lot of Christians that we got some sitting in this church, I'm sure. and some watching out there, I know. A lot of Christians that can't wait to give you I, I told you so. They're going through a hard time and you're getting ready to rejoice when they fail. But it says the love of God rejoices when right and truth prevail. That means the love of God rejoices when you make it. Every person sitting in here has had some kind of a serious problem in life, some kind of addiction, character flaw or something. Jesus is not sitting waiting for you to fail. He's going to rejoice when you get out of it. And so if you're the Christian, that super judge, watching for the other Christian to fail so you can tell him, I told you so, you don't qualify. You'll never have days of heaven on earth because you're not walking in the love of God. So anyway... Uh, we go on and on, but love bears up for anything and everything that comes. This is the last one. Love is ever ready to be the absolute worst of every person. They can't do this, they can't do that. They'll always do this, I will always do that. They're no good, they're no good, they're no good, they're no good. But I'm so glad Jesus didn't say it about me for 28 and a half years. I'm glad He didn't say I was rotten to the core. I'm glad Jesus was up there saying, I can't wait to burn His samples gets his act together. It turns to me. And so that's the love of God. Verse 8, love never fails. Love never fails. So, amen. Go ahead and clap. You can stand up. Mr. Mr. Leader. (laughs) Amen. Does, Does that speak to anybody like it does to me? Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up and and we'll, we'll, we'll give praise to God and minister of people that need it. But let me, let, let me ask you this. You know, we're all different levels. Are you like me? Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe if God said that if we do what he wants us to do, we can have days of heaven on earth? And you notice, I noticed it said days. So that means there's times that those days may not be there, but we can walk on our authority and get them back. Amen. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness to come to the kingdom of light. If you stand still, you're never going to do it. You've got to be aggressive with your love. You've got to recognize when people are wronging you. If you can't say anything, shut up and smile. And don't smile with a mischievous smile like, ha-ha, stupid. (laughs) Have a genuine love smile. When you do this thing right, I'll tell you what, you're going to see your life get better and better and better and better. Amen. Greg, you got something good for us, don't you? Amen. Well, as Greg leads us in some worship and stirs up this other kind of anointing, this worship anointing, just close your eyes. We you want to worship God. And if you need something up here, come up here. We're glad to lay hands on you and pray for you. But I think we put it on up in the, in, in the atmosphere, in the spiritual atmosphere, some lives were changed. Amen.
2: Your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praises. Your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. Broken. Great are you, Lord. It is your breath in our lungs? So we pull out our place, we pull out our places, your breath. every heart that is broken, great are you, Lord? it's your place. Every heart that is broken Love no.
1: how many believe that he's great amen and let me tell you something too you got to get a hold of first john 4 4 says the greater one lives where in you the great one lives where in you that means there's great things that you can do and i want to say this one more time i said this this morning for the blessings of god there's always two sides the god part and your part God tells us what to do, and then when we do what he said to do, then he shows up and backs it up. And so we talked about the love of God tonight, and I can tell you this, <clears throat> this church is like having a Bible class every time. After, I don't know how schools are now, I've heard, I've heard a lot of things, how schools have changed, but when I went to school, and they gave us the test after the class, if we didn't pass the, pass the test, we didn't pass the class. Now, when I went to school, you stayed in the class till you passed the class. Well, guess what? God's a good school teacher. You'll stay in the class where you are right now until you pass it. If you don't pass the love test, you're not going to get promoted. That's a good word, isn't it? I like that. I'm glad that caught that out there so I can sit and write it down later. You've got to pass the test. And so there will be a test this week. Well, you're challenged by strangers or by family members or close friends, and you're falsely accused, or you're bad mouth, you pay no attention to a suffered wrong. take no account of the evil done to you. You endure long, and you're patient and kind, and you just smile and you love. And when you do, guess what? The character of God just manifests in your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Amen? That's good stuff, isn't it? Good way to close. All right. Now, we don't want a financial faith confession. But we do want to confess over Barstow. Are we ready, guys? Ready to do this? Okay, let's do this. <clears throat> we declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospered. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen.